Bonjour and welcome to the newest edition of the National Media Network podcast. In this edition, you will hear my conversation with um, Linda B. Uh, You'll hear her full last name in her personal introduction. Uh, I don't want to slaughter her name. Um, This was recorded last winter in winter of 2015 at the National Media Network partners meeting. This will be a two-part podcast, so this is the first half. Um, in this, we'll talk about um, some M health studies that Linda B. was doing around um, cancer and uh, physical activity uh, with cancer patients. We'll hear about the importance of storytelling. It was a really great and insightful conversation. Linda B. is a wealth of knowledge and it was a real pleasure to get to sit down and, and talk to her and hear what she has to say. I'd like to note that one of the mic stands on the desk during our conversation was a little wobbly, so every now and then you hear a thump, thump, thump noise. I try to minimize it, but just so you're you're aware about that, I, I apologize in advance. So here is uh, the conversation that me and Linda B had. Well, the first half of the conversation me and Linda B had. I hope you enjoy it as much as I enjoyed having it. Um, so if you want to introduce yourself. Okay, okay. I'm Linda <laughs> Burhan-Stipanoff. I'm Cherokee Nation of Oklahoma. I'm the founder of Native American Cancer Research Corporation, which is a nonprofit, and the president of Native American Cancer Initiatives Incorporated that is a for-profit. You do a lot of great work. I found out about a lot of it yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, from what you talked about yesterday, I would like if you could talk about the M Health project that you're working on. Sure. Um, this is a project Daniel Peter Wright at Rapid City Regional Hospital is the principal investigator for this. Um, we've got a nice team. Um, we have Sheikh Iqbal Hamid from Marquette University, Mark Dignan from University of Kentucky, we have Linda Krebs from the University of Colorado. Um, myself and then we have his wonderful team so he has three community research representatives which some people would call patient navigators Uh, and the three women work with uh, different settings so Simone Bordeaux works with Rosebud, Uh, Kristen Sina works with Rapid City and uh, we have Doris Thimbo who works with Pine Ridge Uh, They recruit people to the study. They teach them how to use uh, their cell phones to receive uh, messages and to respond to different messages. Uh, Every morning, uh, the participants get up to a query that says, what type of message would you like to receive today? And it has a numbered response. So like maybe number one is Crave and number two is uh, traditional or, you know, so there's codes Mm -hmm. for it. Traditional would mean that they would get an American Indian message, and it may be a glanceable message, but could be something from Billy Mills talking about how important it is to reserve tobacco for ceremonies only, to to not use commercial tobacco. Um, And based on what they say, if they're randomized into a minimum group, they get two follow-up emails that day, um, text messages, and if they're in the intense group, they get four. And there are counseling sessions. It's a total of 11 visits with the CRRs, the three ladies who are in the settings. 
and uh, they have a script to follow on encouraging people to maintain tobacco cessation. So they've all gone through motivational interviewing training. Um, the people like it a, a great deal. Uh, the uh, Iqbal is the one who created all of the programs and uh, anytime there's an issue they send an email directly to Iqbal He's fixed it, so within the first six months, we had almost all the problems worked out. They bring uh, iPads with them, and with their iPad, they collect all the survey data for every visit, and it has the counseling outline. Uh, the, the survey data is all based on the theory of planned behavior, and it is to actually see how well um, the questions and other points that are in the the counseling sessions help people maintain cessation. Uh, and it's been a lot of challenges. You know, we have a valley in uh, Pine Ridge where there is no cell phone coverage. Oh, yeah. you know, so people don't get their morning query until they are out of the, you know, like they're on their way to work, mm -hmm. um, you know, or something. So that's been um, a bit of a challenge. And the software has led to a second project, and it's a pilot study. Um, it's funded by Sanford. And in this one, it's focusing on American Indian cancer survivors. This one uses a smartphone, so they're able to get both text and video messages. And we're using more messages in, um, in this pilot study, and we're trying to test how well a new app would work to encourage survivors to be physically active. Part of what we're doing for the pilot test is that we, um, we want the, the survivors right now in the pilot test are testing how well the app works for them. So they'll do the morning query again and we're trying to see if the messages are strong enough and if the app can tailor. So for both the mHealth studies, they, re um, they have the option of tailoring it. So if I wanted to say I want to be able to walk with my son Josh when um, in the morning. I can get a personal message like that and Iqbal sets it up so that my personalized message to me individually becomes more often. Um, but the rest of the personalization is being able to tailor what type of text message you get the rest of the day. And some people um, like certain things or some people who really like traditional mm -hmm. and there's other people who say they still want to get messages about craving what to do instead of craving, you know, a cigarette or, you know, something else. The physical activity one is important because um, what we've found is that survivors, if, if they can maintain some physical activity during treatment, it's wonderful, but depending on how potent the chemo or how big their side effects are from the treatment, you know, their biggest activity may be getting out of the bed and walking to the front door to get the mail. Right. You know? <laughs> and it's like, well, how well can you start adding a little more activity to your day? Because the type of fatigue that comes from the drugs is not just relief from uh, sleeping. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a fatigue that frequently will last two years after you've finished your, comp your treatment, and a lot of people don't understand it. If people can get themselves moving, they tend to prevent a lot of long-term effects, um, meaning such as the cancer fatigue mm -hmm. will lessen a great deal and it won't last for as many years. If they have unmanaged cancer pain, 
uh, it tends to help relieve the cancer pain. Uh, you know, if they have any other long-term effects from the treatment, it tends to make all those a little bit better. So it's very important because physical activity makes your whole body function better. You know, it makes you get up in the morning, and if you have poisons in your systems from what we've eaten or what we've been exposed to in the environment, you'll process all that better. Well, chemo's all poison. Yeah. So it, it helps to work, um, you know, some of this out in a good way. And we have a lot of good models. Um, we have wonderful quotes from Billy Mills. Mm -hmm. you, know, and, you know, in um, and of course this study is going on in the Northern Plains, so actually both of them are. And you know, they hear some of these stories, and they're kind of like, "I remember that. I've heard him talk." And I, you know, and he's so inspirational. So it's been, and there's a lot of good models um, that help them through. We have advisory groups in um, all the study sites. And they give guidance on other types of messages. What's what's relevant for Pine Ridge may not be relevant for Rosebud. Right. Uh, you know, and so they get a chance to the, the local advisory group says, no, 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 I want you to talk about this instead. And so they work with the CRR and um, tailor a lot of it. And we have focus groups and usability tests on on it. Usability tests testing how well the app works. Mm -hmm. Focus group to give guidance on phrasing and local phrasing and sometimes local pronunciation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's a great project. Um, when you were talking about it yesterday in our meeting, I thought that there's so many other ways that you can go with that too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I don't know if you're planning on, on looking at other utilizations in the future, because one that went, came to me was like nutrition mm -hmm. and, and, eat, and healthy eating, but there's there could be barriers to that due to food access? <laughs> well, they're, um, as poor as a lot of our communities are, mm -hmm. there are healthy foods available. Right. Uh, and, you know, a lot of people think, well, I'm going to get, you know, I'm, I'm going into the town, I'm going to get a fast food right. item of some type. But fast food can be an apple or an orange. Mm -hmm. And it's much cheaper <laughs> than buying a hamburger and fries and, yeah. you know, other stuff. But it's that we've not been taught and reinforced that way of mm -hmm. what to eat. A lot of our traditional foods, indigenous foods, many of those are less expensive and much more healthy yeah. than the other products. I mean, the fast food is so attractive. It's got so much salt in it, and it's got so much fat in it. And it's, you know, it tastes good, but um, our indigenous foods taste good, too. <laughs> right. So we could, we could be eating more of those and preparing them in a good way, and there are a couple of um, mobile vans that are in the northern plains um, that are trying to teach people on how to how to get back to cooking traditional and how to plant some things that you know we think about oh northern plains what can you plant <laughs> and there actually has been some projects where they've done whole organic farms and they've done hydroponics where it's planted in mm -hmm. water so I think there's big hope for. Uh, better nutrition it's training ourselves and it's so hard you know because it's yeah. not like you can just quit something mm -hmm. you have to eat every day right. you know so what are you gonna eat that's gonna be good for you and that you feel satisfied um, right. you know, with the the physical activity project when we go for a full study um, it will have more nutrition it has some nutrition messages in it now okay. 
Um, and several of the people who talk, they say, you know, we need to eat healthy like our ancestors. Mm -hmm. You know, we're standing on the shoulders of our ancestors, and we need to respect the food patterns they taught us about instead of the junkery. (laughs) (laughs) So it will will reinforce um, that. And we find a lot of our survivors, because we have the largest survivorship support network, um, actually, of indigenous people in the world, and um, a lot of the people have changed their diet after they go through cancer treatment. It's like, how long does it last? <laughs> you know, it's harder with the tobacco-related cancers. So the survivors that have those type of cancers, um, if they have a tobacco-related cancer they, and they go back to smoking, so many of them mm-hmm. quit during the treatment. Um, for some of them, they won't do surgery while you're still smoking, right. um, depending on what type of cancer they have. Uh, and maybe after a year or, or two years, they take a puff of a cigarette, mm-hmm. and then they get back into smoking again. And for them, the issue is um, they have like uh, it's something like 64% odds of getting a recurrence of the original tobacco-related cancer mm-hmm. or getting a new cancer. You know, and that's yeah. significant. Whereas with food, <laughs> you have to eat it every day <laughs> in a healthy way. Right. <laughs> yeah. And of course, both groups, whether they're a smoker or not, and it's not just them, it's all of us. We all need to be mm-hmm. exercising every day. We need to um, honor the body the Creator gave us uh, in, in a good way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, I'm trying to think of it. When you were talking, I had thought of a question, so I was trying to think what it was. Okay. <laughs> um, no, I've, yeah, how about if I talk about the resource while you think about the question? Sounds good. Okay, so um, our website is NATAMCancer, like the first part of Native, then American, and then Cancer. So N-A-T-A-M-C-A-N-C-E-R dot org. And um, the second tab when you go on to the website is for the Survivorship Support Program. We have about 800 visitors a day that come to that page on our website. Uh, It is filled with resources and information. Uh, We are uh, adding new leaves. This whole section started with funding just for breast cancer, and then so many of our people have cancers other than the screenable cancers, meaning, you know, breast, cervix, colon, lung, now now we can say lung, Mm -hmm. uh, (laughs) and prostate. And um, they said, well, what about us? And we said, yeah. <laughs> you know, so we've been able to collect stories. The sidebar um, has video vignettes, and I think as of the end of this week, we're, we'll have 96 different um, uh, indigenous cancer survivors telling parts of their stories. And we just do small cuts because when we started doing a lot of um, this, we couldn't tell the whole story. So these aren't digital stories. These We've been collecting them since 1996. Oh, wow. And um, the newest ones are on tobacco and they're on physical activity because of the 2M Health Projects. <laughs> right. um, you know, but people think, oh, you know, I'm never going to feel better. You know, I mean, if this is what my life is like, this is not good. And you listen to some of these survivors and they're so positive and they're so strong uh, and they're happy. I mean, they're moving on in a good way. It's like um, cancer is not killing them. Um, you know, the majority of them are doing very well with the survivor, uh, with their survivorship. Almost, uh, almost all of them are combining other types of therapy with Western medicine. 
more than half use traditional Indian medicine to help them get back in balance. Uh, one of our survivors years ago, and, and he's on our website, um, Tobias, uh, is Apache Nation, and he said, you know, he says, every time I went in the doctor, he had head and neck cancer, very mm -hmm. severe. He said, I felt like they were shooting a hole through my spirit. He said, I'd get chemo, and a hole would go through my spirit, and mm -hmm. I'd get radiation. There's a lot of radiation with that yeah. type of cancer. And he said, you know, it was not just that it was hurting my body, it was a hole through my spirit. But it basically cured his cancer. He lived mm -hmm. for many, many years, and when he passed on, he walked on from something totally other than cancer. Um, and it was his wife who said, you know, go to the healer. Mm -hmm. And the healer really made Tobias well again. He really made him in balance and in harmony with life. And, um, absolutely marvelous outcomes. Um, so many of the survivors had, especially years ago, um, because we've been doing, we've had our network almost 20 years. Yeah. Um, they, you know, they had a lot rougher time than the treatments are getting better all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, the balance with getting back into, um, you know, traditional practices in respecting um, our beliefs makes it so much easier, yeah. and um, they feel so happy. You know, and, and they may drink traditional teas, and there's not yeah. one tea for everyone. The healer makes up teas that are specific to the patient and what type of cancer they have, and if they're male or female. Yeah. Um, and we've had some people. Uh, Lori is up from Alaska, and Lori still drinks her tea. She was diagnosed with stomach cancer, I think, in 1989 or 1990. She's doing great. Wow. Yeah, she's doing great. <laughs> you know, I mean, so many of the people are doing great, but they're they're doing it in a good way. Mm -hmm. They're they're doing their Western medicine, uh, and they're doing their Indian medicine. Uh, <laughs> you know, and of course, prayers every morning and mm -hmm. doing things in a good way. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Um, so it sounds like these vignettes could actually, um, are actually probably doing the kind of work, because I remember the question, and I was um, working towards helping stop the fatalistic view of some people uh -huh. when they, they get cancer, and it's, why should I stop smoking? Why should I stop doing this? Yeah. Why should I stop doing that? Because I'm, I'm going to die. Mm -hmm. But... <laughs> <laughs> Well, and that was, um, we, we had to deal with that issue even when we named our organization. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so it, when we first started naming our organization, we talked to our local ladies, our native sisters, or their native patient navigators, what people will call that now, but we call them native sisters and native brothers. Um, and we, we had everyone talk to the community and say, you know, we're looking at what we should name the organization. So many people said, oh, don't put cancer in the name because... People will think that you're going to die, and you know you are, your mm -hmm. program. You're going to have people who have cancer, and we said, well, actually, you know, there's seven of us. One out of seven women get breast cancer. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know that could easily happen. Right. Um, we're not immune just because we work in the cancer field, mm -hmm. um, you know, but we certainly will know where to get help <laughs> when that happens. Yeah. And um, in anyway, when we when we started, you know, discussing it amongst ourselves. We said, you know what, if you had cancer, you need to be able to search on the phone. And at that time, it, there wasn't as much internet mm -hmm. stuff. Um, we did have a web page then, but it was very minimalistic. Uh, I said, you know, we need to have cancer in it so that cancer survivors know there are other indigenous people who have cancer. Mm -hmm. 
and that they can live through this and that they're not always going to feel the way they're feeling right now. They're going to feel better, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> and they're going to enjoy their families. And um, so many of the survivors have humorous things that they talk about. And, and uh, my husband is the one who does all of our video work on our website. And he, he'll come out from some of these interviews. He says, you know, he says, sometimes I... I think that I've got it hard because of this problem or that problem. He mm-hmm. says, I listen to these people, they are so strong. You know, he says, they've just got their whole act together. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, you know, absolutely. Um, you know, so it's, uh, it's important. Stories are powerful. They're our traditional way of learning. Mm-hmm. We also have um, what we call storytellers on the sidebar. And those are caricatures. And right now they're limited to breasts. We hope to expand them to many different types of cancer, but we haven't been able to yet. Um, and with the vignettes, they're comprised of three real survivors, and I'm the only one who knew their um, their original names and information. And we put together scenarios so that no one could identify mm-hmm. who they are or where they came from, because they were afraid. Like some are on tribal councils, some mm-hmm. are in leadership roles, and. They feared because of tribal politics, other people would put them down and, oh, well, she shouldn't be on you know, yeah. council anymore, or, you know, <laughs> but, or she shouldn't be on the re- research board or whatever because mm-hmm. of the disease. And they said, you know, I, I want to keep it private. And it's like, oh, this is a way to keep it private. Yeah. So we take ex- excerpts, we put in excerpts of what their story is, how many grandchildren or great-grandchildren mm-hmm. they have, and um, put together little scripts. Sometimes when we've had survivor groups, we have people take the roles. We say, okay, you be Marlene, and you're going to be her daughter, and you're going to be her son. And, mm-hmm. and so they kind of go through them, and then it raises other discussion in the survivor circles that, that we're working with. And it's like, you know, I felt the way Marlene did about this and how important tradition is and, um, you know, and how to control my pain in, in a different way. And, you know, and so they really start bringing out issues that maybe never came out in the survivor circle before. And the sidebar also has examples of questions to ask the provider. And um, and I found when I was having a different health condition, I actually went to our website, and I went through the questions and thought, okay, for the condition that, um, that I may be diagnosed with, what are the questions I want to ask the provider? And it was really helpful <laughs> to me on something yeah. totally other than... Um, you know, then that, but it, you know, includes mm-hmm. things about, will IHS cover this? We have mm-hmm. some people who have been misinformed about the value of genetic tests and, mm-hmm. uh, websites that check how much of an Indian they are and all that mm-hmm. nonsense. And almost mm-hmm. all of them are fraudulent, um, meaning that we'll send two different samples and it will get totally different interpretations, <laughs> you know, so they're not, yeah. they're not very valid, um, at this point in time. And you have to be careful with the genetics because a lot of tribes don't believe in um, getting that type of genetic information because there's just not enough protection for people. Mm-hmm. Other tribes have no issue with it at all, you know, but yeah. that's an individual mm-hmm. you know, choice on what you do. Some of the genetic tests that people do when they go through cancer, more and more they're doing tests of what I'd say are the molecular areas of the cell. Um, so that if you have damage to this little connection that's in the tumor mm-hmm. cell that sends signals from the outside of the cell to the nucleus, um, mTOR or EGFR, or you know, th- there's 
there's hundreds <laughs> of them, actually probably thousands of them. Um, and if they can block where that damage is, it tells the nucleus don't grow more uh, cancer cells. Mm -hmm. So they're doing those types of tests, certainly for colon cancer. Mm -hmm. Um, very, very important for colon cancer because if they find the EGFR mutation, they change the type of treatment they give the person and the person ends up surviving. There's wonderful success stories now with colon cancer. Great success stories with cervical cancer, with breast cancer, with the, the new um, low-dose computed tomography or um, the, the, this type of screening test for lung cancer. It's only for high-risk um, people, and there's certain eligibility criteria. But what they're finding now, and actually they just did a new, a new test was just released last month, that for people who have four different molecular markers, that they totally change the treatment, that most of these people with the standard treatment would not be alive two years after going through um, the lung cancer treatment. And this new one looks like um, that by changing the type of treatment they get, it really is different. So that type of molecular uh, or genetic test is quite different mm -hmm. than just looking at your 20, you know, 23 <laughs> chromosomes, <Yeah. laughs> 23 pairs. Yeah. I, hadn't, I hadn't heard any about any of that, that new stuff. You will today. Yes, I will today. <laughs> I look forward to hearing more about it. Um, yeah, there's some, there's some really, really important stuff that's coming out in chemo um, and radiation and adjuvant therapy and um, how, they're, how they're working on things. People are having fewer side effects. There's a whole initiative that President Obama started called Precision Medicine, and there are now um, clinical settings all over the country that are receiving funding for, for precision medicine. And what it means is that if um, this person over here, Mary Lou, has to go in for treatment, um, they will look at certain selected markers and they adjust the type of medicine so that she has fewer side effects. She, um, both immediate and long, inter intermediate and long-term are what they call late effects um, of her treatment. And that she has higher quality of life uh, and better odds to actually treat or block or cure some of the medicines you'll have to take for many years. They're not like you just go through treatment yeah. and get rid of them. They're, they're, really got some fun things with precision medicine. So that that initiative, anyone who wants information, it's um, just go to the internet, you know, or get your kids to go to the internet for you. And you look at the White House initiative on precision medicine. Um, so very, very hopeful, um, uh, not just for cancer, but for diabetes. Um, there's new things they're doing with nanotechnology where you have... Uh, itty bitty, bitty <laughs> little robot um, that basically senses what your blood sugar is. And based on what your blood sugar, it releases the amount of insulin so that you don't go, go through the spikes and drops because that's when you have trouble with the blindness, with the kidney damage, with the neuropathy. Um, you know, and they're playing with a lot of these things for different conditions. We're very interested in diabetes because one third of all of our cancer survivors are diabetic mm -hmm. as well as have cancer. Um, we have been asked many times, um, and actually Noel and I were talking about it last night, it's that we have one half of the survivors have diabetes before they're diagnosed with cancer. And of course that means that one half mm -hmm. had cancer before they were diagnosed with diabetes. The issue um, for some cancers, like we know diabetes is a risk factor for colon cancer. 
But the issue for the majority of them is that you look at what the lifestyle is for somebody who is high risk for diabetes. Tend to be sedentary. Mm-hmm. Um, they tend to be obese or overweight. Have a high fat diet. Um, many tend to um, have a high sweet intake, which includes alcohol. Mm-hmm. Um, and you look at those factors. Those are the same factors for many of the cancers yeah, that right. we have. You know, so it's um, it's like as we get healthy again, as we respect mm-hmm. our ancestors' way and do things in a good way. We reduce all those factors and reduce the likelihood of having diabetes or cancer or heart disease, you know, and or you know, long-term obesity, which is another mm-hmm. chronic condition because it changes your whole metabolism. Yeah. You know, it just does a lot of things that are hard. It's not <laughs> that people who are obese are eating thousands and thousands of calories a day. Many of them are not eating that much, mm-hmm. but they don't process things very well. It's harder to get up and get activity. Activity helps your metabolism work. Yeah, yeah. So it's, you know, it's so easy to blame the, you know, blame the victim in this case, right. which is somebody who's severely overweight or obese, and it's mm-hmm. so hard. All right, thank you yeah. for yeah. listening to the podcast. Uh, this was part one. Uh, part two will be coming shortly, hopefully. Um, if you would like more information about the National Day Network, you can visit our website, keepitsacred.org, or visit our Twitter or Facebook page. You can like our Facebook page. You can follow our Twitter to get more information from us, if you would like. And I will be speaking to you all again soon with the second part of the conversation that B and I had. Thank you again. Cocaine, I'll wash it, the 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 cocaine, I'll